Hey everybody, John Finn, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. We are a house church network. We celebrate the gathering of the saints by meeting in homes and rotating homes and rotating who leads uh, so that we can get an opportunity to share what Christ in each of us is doing. Because you know, our Lord is so multifaceted, so vast, so huge, and he's created each one of us, each human spirit, uh, with an aspect of his personality and, 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 and life that is unique to each individual. So by gathering together, recognizing that we are all living, breathing temples of God, that we can learn from one another, learn what he's teaching each other and see a different aspect of his multifaceted personality. So we gather in homes, we rotate, we share responsibilities and whoever's leading that week, it's not built on teaching. It's not, there's no pressure. It's just built on sharing whatever the Lord's got on your heart. And uh, anyway, check us out at CWOWI.org. Today, talking really about part three, I guess it would be, um, about about uh, New Testament realities. Last week, I shared how the Father is the Father of Spirits. I shared out of Hebrews 12.9 and Zechariah 12.1 and, and out of Isaiah and the Psalms and Job and all those verses that say that God the Father creates our human spirit. And so I shared about how every human being has gifts and talents and they are from God. Though the fact of the matter is Satan cannot create anything. He can pervert or he can turn around things per, and turn things for evil. So he, so Satan is an expert at taking things that God has given mankind to better mankind and to better each individual. And if they're not walking with the Lord, Satan can turn those God-given gifts into, into creating things that are unholy and ungodly. But uh, the fact is that the core gift is still from the creator, the Father God, who creates every good gift and every perfect gift. Yeah, uh, and so it's amazing, and I shared about that last week. So today, talking more about New Testament realities, and this time talking about, let's start with Ephesians chapter 4, and you're going to see some things, and, and hopefully this kind of like blows the mind here a little bit, uh, if, you're, if you're too much indoctrinated into the auditorium church thinking. So in Ephesians 4.8, Paul says, Therefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now, leading captivity captive means that's another word for Abraham's bosom or paradise. It's where the righteous dead went when they died. It was a compartment in the earth. Uh, Jesus mentioned it in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. He talked about Abraham's bosom and, and a beggar that was there named Lazarus who, who was there. It's where the righteous dead went. But when Jesus was resurrected, he led captivity captive. He led the righteous dead to heaven. And now paradise is up. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, he said, I knew a man about 14 years ago who was caught up into paradise. Paradise has been taken up and is part of heaven. Anyway, not to get sidetracked. But when Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 8, he says, Therefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, when the Apostle Paul says, therefore it says, or therefore he says, then we need to look back to see what he's quoting or what he's paraphrasing. He does it fairly often. He did it at least twice in the book of Ephesians alone. And so when we look back in this instance, a lot of your Bibles have at the margin Psalm 68, 18. And the reason for that is because Paul is paraphrasing that particular verse. Psalm 68, 18 if you read it in the Hebrew, 
says this, and the King, the King James Version, I like, it's pretty accurate to the Hebrew. The King James Version says this, when you ascended up on high, you led captivity captive and received gifts for men. And then here's the completion of the thought so that God can live among the rebellious. See, that's the completion of the thought that Paul doesn't complete. He's not led to complete in Ephesians 4, 8. Paul just has part of that verse and because he's trying to make a point. Therefore, he says, when you ascended up on high, you led captivity captive and you gave gifts to men. And Paul ends it right there. He stops at not even completing the full verse. So when we go back to it, we see the complete thought. When you ascended up on high, you received gifts for men so that God can live among the rebellious. Isn't that an amazing thing? And if you if you look at it, a, a Bible that I like uh, for some reading is, is called the Literal Standard Version. The Literal Standard Version. In Psalm 68, 18, it talks about how uh, the Lord gave gifts to men uh, for the rebellious so that they can have peace. So that they can, they can have peace. And so what it's saying is that the gifts of the Spirit that we... You know, in Ephesians 4, 8, Paul goes right into the fivefold, you know, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And, and of course, elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions helps and governments and healings and, and all kinds of things. And, and everyone exalts those and say, Oh, look, these are the, these are the ones lifted up above everything else. No, no, no. The, the purpose is what Paul said or, or did not say part of, part of what he was saying. And intended for the people to know what he was talking about. When you ascended up on high, you led captivity captive. You gave gifts to men so that God can live among the rebellious. You see, the gifts, the minister gifts, the serving gifts are not to be kept in the four walls of a church. When Paul wrote that, the thing called church building did not exist. It didn't exist for another 300 years or so. And, and so what Paul's writing to, he's writing to the body of Christ who's meeting in homes all over Ephesus. Maybe maybe 20,000 or more people who are Christians meeting in homes, hundreds and hundreds of homes all over Ephesus. And so when he's writing about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, he's not finding them in a single house church. He's talking to the large body of Christ in a community that you're going to have all the gifts of the Spirit, all the, the serving gifts and the energy gifts and the charismatic gifts and all these in the whole community of faith, not in a single house church. But the point is this, that the gifts are given so that God can live among the rebellious. That means that you and I, when we go about our daily business, when we go to work, when we're taking a walk, when, when we are just saying hello to the neighbors or doing something nice for the neighbor, that means that we are taking Christ with us and, and he is going to manifest himself so that the rebellious can have peace, so that he can live among the rebellious. That's the core truth of it. Now, what this also means, and I'm going to take this out, and, and now that you've got that truth and you look at that and realize that, wow, God's gifts are for the rebellious, that explains why we see Jesus doing miracles, usually in the home or out in nature somewhere, you know, feeding you know, thousands of people with, with fish and bread and, and, uh, you know, on his way out of Jericho, healing blind Bartimaeus and, and things like that, but also in homes where he's approached in the middle of dinner and everything he's approached to, you know, for healing and different things of that nature, that the, the gifts are intended so that God could be seen so that God can live among the rebellious. Amazing. So now we look at this and this is the part that's really, you have to change your mind. Because in the auditorium setting, which has been around for about 1,700 years, um, when they, it was interesting, I had a, an Italian archaeologist explain this 
to us when we were taking a tour of Pompeii, Italy, and we went by uh, a temple to uh, Apollo or Zeus, and it was in ruins and everything. But but she stopped and she said, you'll see that the way this temple was put up, was set up, was with bench seats all in a row looking at a pulpit and a platform. She said that was how the, the old temples were set up. And she said when they called people out, this is the archaeologist had no idea our connections. It wasn't a ministry trip. It was Barb and I looking in, at Pompeii, visiting Pompeii. Uh, and, um, and she said when, when, Constantine called people out of homes to meet in buildings. He took over the former pagan temples and he said, because he, and she said, because he found them suited for, uh, for what is needed when you get a large number of people in a building, you have to have a single leader. And that was, that was amazing just by that, by that archaeologist making that statement that she knew exactly what had happened. People got pulled out of homes and you got to put somebody in charge. So that's how the gift of pastor became elevated. So when you look at that, but you, you compare that with scripture, you find this. Uh, for instance, in, in Romans um, chapter 11 and verse 13, for instance, in Romans chapter 11 and verse 13, Paul said this. Paul said, I, I, he said, I am an apostle, the apostle or the sent one to the Gentiles. And in the King James Version, it says, I will magnify my office. That word office is what I'm focusing on now. Uh, in Romans uh, 12:4, Paul said said that we all uh, we all have grace according to uh, to our lives and faith attached to that, but not everybody has the same office. That each person has their own grace and the faith associated with us, but not everybody has the same office. And in First uh, Timothy 3:1, he talks about if anyone desires the office. Of, and I think that one is bishop in, in three one, or it could be deacon. I think it's I think it's bishop. But he says that if you desire the office, so you know you got First Timothy three one, you've got Romans twelve four, you've got uh, uh, what is it Romans yeah Romans twelve three excuse me Romans twelve three. Uh, to, uh, to everyone is given the measure of faith. Uh, but anyway, when you go on with this, you find out that in uh, Romans eleven thirteen, where he said, I magnify my office, you'll find that that word office is not the word office. It is diakonia, D-I-K-O-N-I-A is the root word, and it means service or servant. It doesn't mean office. The word office is, is actually, you go back to the Latin, it means work doing. If you look the, the original word, and so what we're talking about is when they translated the Bible from Greek or from Latin into Old English, they use the word office. But the word office in the 1200s and 1300s and 1400s is not the way we use office today. So back then, in an office or to have an office means a work doing. And that fits the, the word used in Greek, which means to serve or, or, or to render service to somebody. So when Paul said in Romans chapter 11 and verse 13, I am the apostle sent to the Gentiles, I will magnify or I will glorify my office. That's how we take it. We take it like an office, like going to an office. And we take it as, oh, this is special. This is high and lifted up. This is something unique, different from me, different from everybody else. No, no, no. That's not what he said. What he said, if you want to read it in the Greek, is this. 
I am the sent, a sent one to the Gentiles. I will glorify in my service to them. That's all he said. We turn it into, I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I will glorify in my office. But he literally said, I am the sent one to the Gentiles. I will glorify my service to them. Changes everything, doesn't it? So that means that when you're reading your First Timothy 3, 1, where it actually uses the word work, talking about the, the work of, of an overseer and the same thing, work of a bishop, uh, or excuse me, work of a deacon. What it's talking about is, is these aren't offices. These are, we all have the same function in the body of Christ of serving one another. We just, or, or, excuse me, we have different functions within the body. There's no such thing as an office. Yes, there are apostles, but those are verbs. Sent one. There are pastors who tend the sheep. There are helps who help people. There are governments. There are prophecy. There are tongues interpretation. All these things are just manifestations of the Spirit. We're all equal. We just have different functions because we've all been saved by the same blood of Jesus. And so we have to realize that, you know, in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 44, Jesus said, you know, the Gentiles raise someone up and lord their authority over those they serve. It shall not be so named among you. If you want to become a leader, then you have to become a servant. And if you want to come become a great leader, you have to become a, a greater servant to all. So the very thing that Jesus said, it shall not be so named among you that, that you would have someone exalting above everyone else and, and causing people to serve him. In Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 44, Jesus, when he said that, it shall not be so named among you. He's saying that instead of a, a, a pyramid structure with the pastor at the top, Jesus is saying it's got to be a V. Jesus is at the bottom, the cornerstone, and then apostles and prophets and, and everything else at the bottom serving everybody else. But it's a very flat structure because we are all called to serve one another. And that's why I go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 that says, to every man is given the measure of faith. And Paul said this, I speak according to the grace given to me. To everyone is given the measure of faith. You see, you can I, you can and I can only speak according to the grace given to us. You can't speak according to anybody else's grace. And your faith is proportional and attached to that grace. So be at rest, be at peace. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. Don't think, oh, they're high and lifted up and exalted. No, 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 no. The more you see of the Lord, the more you realize he's God, you're not. And and the more humbling it is. And so and so you just have to get out of your mind that, that you're not gifted because you are. You've got Christ in you. You've got the creator of the universe in you. You take him wherever you go. Keep that fresh in you. All right, that's a New Testament reality for today. God bless. C-W-O-W-I.com.